It's not interesting. It stopped being interesting. Joey, is Kyle making you cry? <laughs> Joey, don't cry. No, Joey, no cry. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Interrogang Podcast, your weekly shot of typography news and notes, where we'll share with you some new type releases from the past week and what got us thinking this week in the world of type, design, and creativity. The Interrogang Podcast is an extension of Proof & Co., a website dedicated to the ever-changing landscape of independent typography and bridging the gap between type designers and type consumers through insightful content and research. I'm your host, Joshua Dick, along with Interrogang co-host, the incredibly talented and committed type enthusiast, and a man who used to eat cereal almost exclusively, Kyle Reed. How you doing today, Kyle? How you been? Hi, Josh. Doing great. Doing great. That's a great you, fact. You surviving out there? I'm uh, surviving and eating a little bit more than cereal these days. So, yep. Full pounds breakfast, and there's the dog. <laughs> <laughs> he wish wants to be on the show. Joey, Joey. Is, let's just interview Joey for, the, for 45 minutes. The Interrogang podcast is committed to asking lots of questions about things that we are curious about, but we do not try to be the authority on the topics discussed here. We hope to serve simply as conversation starters, and hopefully we'll pique your interest in topics that got you thinking about new things in exciting ways or old things in deeper ways. We will be referring to the Proof & Co. weekly newsletter in this episode, which you can subscribe to at proofco.xyz to use as a visual reference. And here we are in week 14, 2021. Hi, everyone. Kyle here with a few releases that were released this week. So it felt pretty sleepy this week. There weren't too many releases, uh, I've got to say. It's the first time I think we've encountered in 2021 a little bit of a lull, sleepiness. Definitely the fewest number of releases this past week uh, been in any in 2021. So just an interesting note. Um, I have a feeling it might be from the 36 days of type, uh, which is starting up here at the beginning of this last week, or... Uh, or it's finally starting to get warmer out across the globe's northern hemisphere, or maybe everyone is just flat out tired, which makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so either way, not that many releases, but there were some. So I would love to actually cover a few. Um, so the first one up is from Sudtipos, releasing Vastigo Grotesque, a sans family of nine weights inspired by traditional grotesque designs of the 20th century. It's nice to see Sudtipos release a grotesque, actually. Um, their wheelhouse is squarely in the display and fun fonts lane, but they've been releasing a lot of fonts lately that tap into the enormous amount of young talent present in South American countries and putting out an incredible diversity of releases this year alone uh, because of it. So Vastigo Grotesque, uh, it's pretty straightforward in a lot of ways, but pushes the personality in a few spots that raises it up above being just a standard grotesque family. It was uh, completed with the advisory credit from the Type Crit crew, which is an interesting thing to note, a little bit more of a community uh, aspect to it. 
Uh, and yes, it features ink traps. So if you haven't gotten your fill of ink trap releases this year, here's another one. La Bolde Vita released Residence Serif, a Serif family counterpart to their uh, early release of Residence Grotesque. This one is fun, I gotta say. It's got a great sense of propriety in the text, standard, and display cuts of the family. There's three different uh, styles. Uh, but it really brings the fire with basically a whole other set of letters inspired by handwritten shapes and graffiti. So it's this mashup, which leads to some pretty interesting type design. So there's some pretty interesting things going on here, like how it messes with the conventional letter shapes uh, and how it places these wacky one-line drawings in as glyphs that remarkably work. Resident uh, Serif comes in six weights across three optical sizes for a total of 18 fonts in the family. Uh, and it's pretty unexpected. Not a bad purchase for the designers out there who are looking for that family that can do it all from trendy and expressive design to uh, clean and regal. And lastly, uh, Karake, which is another typeface that I assume I'm pronouncing wrong. There's the latest font from Dalton Mog. A friendly, naive, and whimsical rounded sans family of five weights or a variable font option, which is actually what I would recommend getting this in. Uh, now, Dalton Mog has pretty has a pretty steady reputation as being a larger type and design agency focused on typography for big brands. Uh, so I'm not sure if they count as an independent typography outlet, you know, the kind that we like to talk about and cover here. But Karake is a Welcome family from Dalton Mog. Uh, it's still geared towards corporate communications, you can tell, but this time with a looser, more fun attitude. It's rounded, it's bouncy, it's squishy in places, perhaps trying to pick up on this bubble of big companies dipping their toes in the more expressive ends of the type, typographic spectrum. Uh, I actually really like how the variable font it extrapolates in the heavyweights to essentially convert each glyph into these like puffed up marshmallows of letters. It's really fun. It removes all the counters uh, and the forms kind of start overlapping on themselves. Uh, it's, a, it's a really fun feature in a variable typeface and worth checking out. So uh, that's it for me. Josh, what about you? Did you see anything in the weekly that piqued your interest? I want to go off weekly. I wanted to talk about a uh, a rebrand. Ah, no, I'm nonconformist. <laughs> I wanted to talk about a rebrand I saw this week uh, in the NWSL. That's the National Women's Soccer League here in the states. The New Jersey team, formerly known as Sky Blue FC, their previous branding had was not keeping up with the times they had a very simple shield setup for their crest they just did a total rebrand they are now the new jersey new york gotham fc mm, cool and it is a solid rebrand effort particularly the new crest uh designer matthew wolf who has been doing a lot of the rebranding for nwsl franchises the new crest contains the uh statue of liberty crown and the letters nj but there is a slash ny the y and the mm -hmm. j are combined are melded in such a creative way 
I think one of the finest ways to solve that issue. New Jersey tends to get the short end of the stick in sports. We're all over the sports map. <laughs> this is true. And uh, we're two Jersey boys here. And so we, we've, got, we've got a bone to pick. That's right. You got, the, you got the Jets. You got the Giants playing in New Jersey. That's right. New York's always trying to butt in. You got the, the New York Red Bulls playing in New Jersey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so the idea that at least they're going, they're acknowledging New Jersey's first, New Jersey, New York. They're acknowledging their New Jersey roots. They've always been playing New Jersey. And the Statue of Liberty is in New Jersey. Thank you very much. Let's not forget. That's correct. Uh, but back to the back to the rebrand. They've also got a new what we what I think is a custom typeface. I I searched for information on the typeface on this rebrand and, and couldn't find anything. It's most likely a custom, but it's it all fits so nicely. And if you're going to just tear something down and start from scratch, I think this is an excellent excellent move. And so I recommend everyone just take a peek. Google this this change. I think you'll like what you see, and uh, give some yeah. give some love to New Jersey if you can. <laughs> New Jersey's sad; and it needs a hug. <laughs> it's always forced to share. Yeah, yeah. Give it its own toys. <laughs> so uh, a YJ ligature gets the win for you this week, huh? Absolutely, every time. That's pretty cool. Yeah, not very often that comes up, but when it does, it's a real gem. I'm a ligature groupie. Ligature groupie. We got to get t-shirts made. Okay, Kyle, this week we've got, uh, we wanted to go into a big conversation topic. One that is not exclusive to this week. We're going to come back to it quite a lot. It's... Uh, certainly not unique to type design. It's a universal topic. We're talking about originality today. That when you are creating something new, we are, of course, seeking the new thing, the next best thing. We don't want to be derivative. We don't want to be looking like everything before us. But originality is hard. Originality is hard. And when you're sitting down to start a new project... And you're trying to come up with what can I do that the world has never seen? You can get bogged down in that. Mm-hmm. And that can really damage the artistic process. So we wanted to pick apart this idea of originality. Uh, so we're going to start talking about it, obviously, through the world of type. Uh, Kyle, the, the first obvious question is, you're dealing with the same letters. You got the same glyphs. It's inevitable that you're going to look like something that came before, right? Yep, that's a great question. And I think the answer is yes. It's inevitable and very easy to make something that looks like something else. Uh, if you're dealing with a medium that is limited, as in you know the, the alphabet or the Latin alphabet, yeah, chances are if you haven't done your reading, you haven't done your homework, have, don't really know what's out there on first go, it will likely look like something that's already out there. Originality is hard. We're a little too deep into human existence not to look like something that's come before you when you're dealing with that's right. the same alphabet yeah. that's been around 
for millennia. I mean, there is an argument to be made here that uh, typography has a wider palette to work with than, say, music. 12 notes in the Western uh, you know, musical scheme. Yet we have new songs coming out all the time. And the alphabet is, you know, 26 basic characters plus a whole whole range more for expression. So, yeah, it's there should be more original content coming out based on that. We should also specify what we mean by original. It's a testament. Yeah. I mean, this the reason we have this podcast, the reason you have this weekly is there is so much new type coming out every week in the world. And yes. all of those are original. But I guess what we're talking about is more the artistic concepts, the look. Are Have you created something that is not born of something that came before? Yep. Yeah, that's right. And this might be a good time to bring up something in the type world that is it's kind of notorious. It's the idea of infillism. Uh, I think this dovetails nicely into a discussion about originality, especially in the type world. Josh, would you like to know what infillism is? <laughs> I would love to hear what infillism is. And I'd like to hear it from you, Kyle. Would you be so kind? <laughs> Thanks. Oh, that's so nice. Uh, so infillism. Back in 2015 and 16, there were a couple of articles that came out from prolific type designers uh, that brought up this topic of infillism. And I'm for the, I have two quotes here, both from... Uh, Typographica's response to the infillism debates in 2016, uh, quoting two type designers, Fred Smyers and uh, Rudy Vanderlands. So the first one here comes from Fred Smyers. It has become a lot easier to come up with a design that looks acceptable at first sight, but this does not mean that new things are automatically genuine or authentic. The type design community fails to be critical enough towards itself. We seem to welcome everything. This attitude will ensure a waterfall of mediocrity. Them's fighting words in the type world if I ever heard them. <laughs> you are not just mediocre. You are cascading mediocre. Cascading mediocrity. Yes. Uh, so the second quote on this topic comes from Rudy Vanderlands, which was uh, on, in an article that he published on Fontstand uh, in June 2016. So almost a year after Fred Smyers posted that quote. He says, in terms of new typeface designs, we believe we've reached a point that we refer to as infillism, where designers are simply filling in the new, uh, the few remaining options left, which begs the question, how many more Helvetica or future-inspired, Futura-inspired designs do we really need? Rudy Vanderlands, font stand, June 9th, 2016. This set off a chain of events in the type world that I think has resulted in more originality, some real introspection, but not without a little bit of tension, debate, and uh, some real, real looking at ourselves in the mirror and saying, what do we want to be creating? This infillism idea is fairly new to me. And it does, at first glance, it really feels like it is not giving enough credit the fact that it 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 implies that there are mm -hmm. a few remaining options left and that we should all know that and recognize that and our efforts could or should be to fill those in. Mm -hmm. Originality to me on the surface, I, I view it as a as an expansion that when you seek to be original, you seek to do 
to push beyond what has been done, not to fill in mm. the cracks of what has, but to, to add, to explore brave new worlds and boldly go where no typeface has gone before. Yeah, but to add, it's an added and process. So it, it was a little mind-bending to think that there's this sense of there's just space in the cracks to fill, and that's <laughs> what we can do. It's all that's left, and how much more of that can we do? Feels very defeatist to me on the surface, right? But also, mm-hmm. I think it's worth asking in any creative field. You mentioned music, but there's also any kind of storytelling, movies, books, TV. Won't we run out someday of of these options? And I remember a conversation I had. I was maybe twelve or thirteen, and I was talking to my dad, and we were talking about movies. Yes. And I had that very question. We were talking about movies that were remakes or movies that were a, a a new movie but followed a Shakespeare structure, you know, Lion King being Hamlet or something like that. Mm-hmm. And and I asked, won't we won't we just run out someday? Won't this be the only option? And I remember he just flatly said, no, we will always have new stories to tell. We will always have new perspectives. Sure. We will always have new voices. People come and go, and they will always bring new stories. I'm sure I'm paraphrasing him quite a bit. But that's what I took away. Dad, if that's not what you said, I'm sorry. But that's what I took away. And that is how I feel about, even though there's going to be differences, creating a story you're, you have a wider mm-hmm. template to begin with, I suppose, again, than, than having the set Latin alphabet. <laughs> but I truly believe that there's always going to be somewhere new to go. Yeah, it, it really makes you question how you view the landscape of the creative medium and industry that you're in, right? Like, uh, I think French Myers and Rudy Vanderlands and all the responses that came after that um, they might have a a map view of the industry or of all of the typefaces that are out there. Uh, this is something that you and I, Josh, we talk about a lot um, in trying to make the landscape of typography clearer for, for folks. Um, you know, it's the mission of Proof and Co. Um, you know, how do you do that? Is it a map? So if you have if you have the view of a map there are inevitably borders to that map, the outer reaches of wherever you've explored to. And uh, there are some major landmarks, maybe cities uh, in type that might be just, you know, major genres or categories. Um, So it's easy to think about this idea of originality uh, and and infillism um, as being just filling in the cracks, just waiting for all those major landmarks to grow and touch each other. Uh, Fill in all the undiscovered places in the map, never really going out into the borders. Um, But I think what you just mentioned was a different view of a creative field or practice, as in it's more of like an arrow of time, uh, progression. And originality is you're walking down a path and you're just laying down the next stone. You're adding the, the next step in the path. And uh, that's not really infillism to me. You know, that 
that's a very different take on what the value of originality is and where you have to go in creating for an industry. That will be it for this week's Interrogate. A special thanks to Andrew Spheris, our editor and all things tech master. Original music featured throughout this episode was composed by Andrew Spheris as well. The Interrogang podcast can be found on our website, proofco.xyz slash podcast, as well as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most places where you find your podcasts. If you want to receive more type news and notes, head to our website and subscribe to the weekly newsletter. Follow us on Twitter at proof underscore and underscore co, or email us at hello at proofco.xyz. If you have any questions for us or thoughts on what we discussed this week, or if you've been particularly inspired by your originality, we'd love to hear from you. As always, thanks for being part of the Interrogang. We'll see you next week. Uh, we'll see if that makes it into the final cut. I, I, gave, Andrew a, I gave Andrew a soccer story, so I know... I know I, I, I'm hitting him where it hurts. You mentioned his Red Bulls. In a negative tone, so maybe I did just get myself cut <laughs> out. The Red Bulls. <laughs> <laughs>